that you're really close and that your desire is to bring hope into our lives. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Well, why don't you just high-five your neighbor there and say happy Easter before they're seated. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Well, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Wayne Northup, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here uh, at Saints Community Church. I want to welcome you on this Easter uh, Sunday, and uh, I know that there are all different kinds of people here in the room. Some of you are here for the very first time, and uh, we want to welcome you. In fact, could we just give a huge round of applause to our first-time guests, uh, come on, that are here in the room? We're so glad to have you. And, uh, and we have what's called good problems this morning. And so uh, let me just, just tell you what the good problems are. We actually ran out of connection cards. And, uh, and so if you're towards the back and you didn't have a connection card and you heard that there's a, a drawing for a free TV uh, that you can get and you're like, man, I missed out and I don't, they didn't give me a connection card. I got robbed of my TV. Uh, I want to let you know that if you'll go to the Welcome Center after service is over, the Welcome Center is in a tent right outside the doors. You probably saw that tent when you came in. If you'll go there, we have a connection card waiting for you and uh, you can enter into that drawing for a free TV. I'm also supposed to let you know that if you're a regular attender here at Saints Community Church, we love you so much, but you cannot win the TV. Uh, that is for our first time guest only. Well, wherever you're at in the journey, some of you may be here and you may go, I'm not even a religious person. I, I just came because somebody's been nagging me and they invited me to come. And I just believe that they invited you to come because they wanted you to have the same kind of hope that they have for their life. Some of you maybe came for the petting zoo, you know, that's here. And uh, a couple years ago, we started doing this petting zoo thing on Easter, and, and we thought it was going to be for the kids. But we discovered quickly that the kids were done before the adults were done petting the animals. And so that will happen in just a few moments. We'll let you uh, exit and, and start petting those animals. Uh, maybe you're here and you're, you're, you're kind of strayed away from God. And you go, I know about God and I've had a relationship with God. And maybe you're a church attender, maybe somewhere else or even here. But we haven't seen you in a while. And you go, I just felt like this was a good Sunday for me to kind of come back into a relationship with God. Or maybe you're here and you come every single week. It doesn't matter where you're at in the journey. I want to let you know that we have a mission here, a, a theme, in fact, and we say it every single week. This church exists because we are leading imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus. And I ask the question every week. I'll ask it again this week. How many of you fit in that imperfect people category? Raise your hands if you fit in that. Good. Look around you. Keep your hands up. Look around you. There's a bunch of messed up people in this room. <laughs> And so you are welcome here. We're just a bunch of messed up people following a perfect Jesus that is not messed up. Well, one of the greatest things, one of the most uh, exciting things for us would be, those of you that are here on for the first time, I'm going to use an analogy here that you're kind of on a first date with Saints Community Church. And, uh, and, and so you're in that like, I'm not sure if I like them, I, you know, I'm still deciding, you know, I, I haven't hated it yet. You know, you're in that stage. One of the greatest joys uh, that we would have is that you would come back next week for a second date uh, with Saints Community Church. Some of you don't like my analogy, it's okay. And, and, 
and so if you'll look, if you'll, you'll look on your seat there, there's a card uh, that is on your seat. I want you to go ahead and grab that card uh, that is on there. This is actually for you to take home. You can put it on your fridge or in your car or wherever you want to. And we're starting a new series of talks. Uh, that uh, A series is just a, an amount, uh, some talks that are all on the same subject. And next week we are talking on a series called Stress Less. How many of you would like a little less stress in your life? I want to encourage you to come back next week. Stress is something that plagues all of us, and, and it hurts not only ourselves, it also hurts the people that we're in relationship with that are around. And, and so we want to dive into four weeks talking about how we can have less stress. We believe the Bible actually has some solutions for our stress lives. And so I'll, I'll just take a look at the screen there or on the card uh, there. These are what the next four weeks are going to look like. Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak on uh, how we need to start thinking about what we think about. And uh, we need to start thinking about what we think about. And then the week after on May 5th, uh, I'll be talking, sharing a message called, What is my role when it comes to my stress? I want to talk about what we have to do and what we can do to eliminate stress in our lives. May 12th, uh, I'll be talking about how changing your course can change your what? Changing your source can change your what? Good, good, good. And then May 19th, I want to talk about how to know the future is bright. I want to encourage you, uh, come back next week as we talk on these four weeks of how we can stress a little bit less. Today, I want to dive into our subject, and I want to uh, thematically kind of bring our subject into one word, if you will, and it's the word called hope. I specifically want to talk about the tension that we all live in with this word called hope. And the tension is that we have to find hope in a world that sometimes, many times, can feel hopeless. In fact, let's put it in a question form so everybody can kind of go with me on this journey here this morning. And, and it's a question that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it the first time and then I'm going to ask us to say it out loud once or twice because I want you to get, this is kind of the question of the day, if you will. And, and what I want to do is I want to answer this question by the time you leave this room. So I'm going to say it first time and then you help me. How do you maintain hope in a world that seems hopeless? So let's say that together. How do you maintain hope in a world that seems hopeless? Let's try it a little bit louder this time. How do you maintain hope in a world that seems hopeless? It's this tension. And if you've ever lit, you know this tension, if you've ever bumped into something, crashed into something that you thought was going to bring you hope and it came crashing down. Something that you placed your hope in, something that you placed your, your desires and your future, your present in, and, and you were really hopeful that that was the thing that you could find hope, and then that came crashing down. It's the tension that you felt if maybe you stood at an altar and you, you said some vows with somebody else and you said the words, till death do us part, and then maybe they, uh, they felt like, no, it wasn't till death do us part, it was until somebody better came along, and, and then that hope came crashing down, that marriage came crashing down, and you begin to ask the question, how do I find hope in what seems like a hopeless world? 
Or maybe the tension that you've had in a job situation where you were promised an advancement, a promotion, you were promised a, a move, a raise of some kind, and, and you did everything. In fact, you went the second mile in that job situation, and you really put forth your best effort, but then the person that promised you, that made the promise, they didn't come through, and you never received that promotion or, or that, that advancement. And so you ask that question of, man, is it even worth it? And how do I maintain hope in a world that seems hopeless? Or maybe you're, you had aspirations for your son or your daughter to be somebody, and, and, uh, and then they got around the wrong crowd, they started doing some of the wrong things, and, and now they're in a state that you never imagined that they would be in, and, and, and you look at them and you go, how can I give them those years back, and, and how, how can we regain where they were? It's that tension that you've wrestled with, that we all have wrestled with at some point of, how do I maintain hope in a world that seems hopeless? And here's kind of what I've discovered. This is a question that all of us either have wrestled with, we're wrestling with it right now, or trust me when I tell you, you will wrestle with this tension of this question. I say it like this, hope is kind of like a ladder, if you will. And, and we lean our ladder up against things that we believe are going to bring us hope. So maybe here's some of the things that we will lean against. Maybe our own ability, that if we could have a certain ability that we could that would put us kind of above the rest, that we could have hope in that ability. Or, or maybe hope in, in our finances, hope in, in money. Or maybe it's a hope in a, in a certain love kind uh, of type of relationship. Or hope in, in if I can just be educated, if I can get the right education, if I can go to the right school, if I can get the right degree, maybe I can find hope or maybe hope in your health, your, your physical health. You find hope and if I can just you know, maintain my physical health, I can, I can find hope or hope in some type of relationship or a career maybe or, or maybe hope in government. And how many know that's probably not going to work out? You know? and, 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 but really the bottom line of all of where our hope really usually lies is in this word called self. See, here's what we do. We, we subconsciously do this. We don't even realize that we're doing it. But when we're born, uh, we, we lean our ladder of hope up against our, our mom and dad. See, uh, and we're just... You know, we're just believing that they're going to take good care of us and, and our hope is in them. They're going to provide for us everything that we need. We can find hope in mom and dad. But at some age, all of us moved our ladder and we moved our ladder up against stuff that we could have more control of that wasn't up to mom and dad. That It was something that we could, have, we could bring control of in our life. So we decided to, to lean our ladder against these things. And here's the truth. We don't really think a lot about hope until we find ourselves in a hopeless situation, right? We're not walking around thinking a lot about hope until, uh, until something that we have placed our expectations on comes crashing down. And just for the sake of us kind of having a working term for the next few minutes of, of what, I, what I mean when I say hope, here's a definition that uh, I want you to look at. Here, here's kind of what I mean when I say Hope, and this is kind of a definition that I, I formulated from several other definitions. Hope is the person or thing in which your expectations are centered. The person or thing in which your expectations are centered. These are things that we are leaning into, if you will. They're, they're things that we have placed our ladder upon, that, that we've said, I'm going to lean into these things because these things, I'm going to center my expectations for my present 
and for my future, I'm going to center my expectations on these things. This is where I'm going to lean into. I'm going to lean my ladder of hope into these things. But as I said earlier, what happens is when one of those things comes crashing down, whatever area that we've placed our ladder upon, then all of a sudden we feel hopeless. We feel helpless. We feel despair even sometimes because we've leaned our ladder up against something that we thought we could hope for that would bring us hope. We've centered our expectations on it, and then it comes crashing down. All of a sudden, we, we're not going to be able to have the baby when we thought we would. All of a sudden, it's I'm 30 years old, and, and I still haven't found the husband that I, I wanted to find. And I'm always the bridesmaid and never the bride. And, and you begin to lose hope. All of a sudden, we can't retire when we thought we could retire. And what we had hoped for in that company that we'd put all of our expectations and centered all of our, our hope in that company, and we wanted them to treat us the way that we've treated them and commit to us like we've committed to them. And so we, we put our hope there. Our expectations are centered there. And, and then when it comes crashing down, we begin to feel this sense of hopelessness. Helplessness is another word for it. We could even say despair. And I think the ultimate hopelessness feeling or helpless feeling is the feeling of, of death. Whether we feel, like we, we feel like death or whether someone close to us has died, that death can, is sometimes the, the ultimate defeat in our lives sometimes. It's, it's this, this feeling of there is no more hope, it's over, that's all she wrote, it's, it's, it's all gone, and we feel that hopeless, helpless despair if you will. The story that we're going to look into here today is a story not only about feeling death, but it's actually a story about someone who died. It's a story about, about death. And it's written out of a book called John in the Bible. If, you, if you're not familiar with the Bible, John is one of the guys that was like Jesus' closest friend. And he wrote a narrative about his accounts. It was just the eyewitness accounts of him walking with Jesus. And he, and he writes the, this account in John chapter 11. And he starts in, in verse 1. And he says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. In verse 3 he says, So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is what? is sick. Now, maybe some of you have received that bad news. Maybe that's a phone call that you got, that someone that you love is sick. Someone that you care about is, is sick. It may have been some kind of a disease or an illness that, that entrapped them, and you, you got that call. But we've all had bad news that has hit our life at some point, that maybe the job what isn't going to work out, and you were putting a lot of hope in, in, in that job working out. Or, or, or maybe the relationship didn't go the way that you planned, and you put your hope there. But We've all had those calls. You can remember where you were when you get those calls. You can remember what you were wearing. You can remember what time of day it was. You can remember who the phone call came from. In fact, I remember when I was a uh, junior in college receiving the phone call. I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and my parents were in Indiana, and I remember receiving the phone call around 6 o'clock in the morning on that morning that my father had had a massive coronary heart attack. I got that call. 
And I don't know what that call looks like for you, but I know that we've all had those calls that have happened where we got that bad news. Well, Jesus gets that call. He, he finds out that one of his best friends and, and, and this family that he was so close to that this man, his name is actually Lazarus, that he's really, really sick. And we, what we do is we, we lean, as I said, we lean into uh, this, and, and when that comes crashing down, we, we kind of have a panic attack, if you will. Well, Jesus doesn't panic, and it, it's really strange. I want you to see his response. This is verse 4. He says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. That's how Jesus responds. He, he doesn't panic when it feels hopeless. And I'll summarize verses 5 through 14 for you. And it's real easy to summarize because basically what Jesus does when he finds out that his friend is really sick and most likely going to die, Jesus actually does nothing. And I'll just divide the crowd into two groups of people here in the room. You fit in one group or the other. And I'll just ask you just to lift up your hands. How many of you in the room, you would call yourself a type A personality? You are a strategizer. You are a fixer by nature. You're, if something goes wrong, you're instantly trying to figure out how can we solve this? How can we, come on, raise your hands. My, my hand is raised. That's me, okay? Now, how many of you by nature are are like, hey, if we relax, it's all going to work out. Just chill out. Come on, how many of you in the room, more laid back people, okay? Yeah, that's you. And we, we love you. We, we really love you, but you drive us crazy. We just want you to know that. Because you live with the theme of, hey, it's, it's okay. It's, it's all going to work out. Well, this is what's happening in this passage of Scripture. They're freaking out, and Jesus is hanging out. And it's really hard when you're a freaker to hang out with a hanger. And that's what's happening, where the disciples are freaking out. And, man, we got to get to be with Lazarus. He's sick. Don't you know what's going on here, Jesus? And Jesus is like, yeah, we'll get to that. He's just, he's just hanging out. And, and what happens is after two days, he finally looks at the disciples, and he's like, hey, maybe we should go ahead and head down to Judea uh, and deal with this whole Lazarus situation. He's really, really sick. And at that point, they're like, well, why do it now, Jesus? You know, people are probably mad by now, and we shouldn't even go. And he says, no, we're, we're going to go. And And as they go down to Judea where Lazarus is sick, there's three people that that are in this story, and they're actually dealing with hopelessness in three different ways. And what I want you to do, I'm going to share quickly about these three people, is I want you to see which one of these you identify with. The first one is, his name is Thomas, and he actually has a nickname. His, His nickname is actually Doubting Thomas. And if you don't know about, about Thomas, Thomas was the guy that was always the pessimist in the crowd. He was always the guy that was like, it's not going to work out. It's really, you know, he was the, uh, the, the Charlie Brown, you know, of, of the group. He, you know, it's not going to work out. It never works out. It's not real. Y'all are full of emotions and hype and faith and all of that. But, but until I actually see it, I won't believe it. You know, he was that guy. And, and he is dealing with something, in the, and you'll see it in this passage. He's actually dealing with the fact that he feels dead in his doubts dead in his doubts. Here's what he says in, in verse 16. It says, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, just a side note, uh, I read that word, that name Didymus, and I was like, that'd be a really cool like stage rapper name, you know, like Didymus, you know? What's up? I'm Didymus. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. You, 
Y'all didn't think it was funny. I thought it was great. But uh, he said, it, Didymus said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I mean, here's Thomas. Okay, let's go ahead. We're all going to die with him anyway. Let's go ahead. And you're like, thank you, Thomas. Just like having you around, man, you know. Such a positive influence in, your, in our life. But he's, he's dead. He constantly lives with this dead in his doubts. And, and I just wonder if you were here in the room, if you were just honest enough. And, and here's one of the things about our church of this year, first time here. We're not a real religious type place, meaning like we don't have a lot of facades where we try to fake it till we make it like you do in a lot of churches. We're, we're actually a, truth that, a church that kind of tells the truth and we're pretty transparent. And, and I'll just tell you this, there's not any of us in the room that at some point in our life have not had our doubts about the goodness of God. In fact, watch this. I'll raise my hand first. How many of you have been through a time in your life where you've had your doubts about the goodness of God? The seasons of your life where you've doubted God and doubted his goodness. And that's Thomas. Maybe you're here in the room today and, and you grew up in faith. You maybe went to some church that your parents took you to or whatever, but then you went to college and some professor said, that's not really real. You started to question, well, is, was this my parents' religion or is this actually my faith? And and, and then you're kind of questioning, maybe this whole thing is not, it's made up, it's make-believe, it's not real, it's all emotion, and, and, and all these stories aren't even true. And maybe you're here today, and you're in the room, and you've got your doubts about God. Or maybe you grew up, and you had a solid faith, but, but now something bad took place in your life, and when that bad event that you can point back to, you, you I don't know the event, but you can point back to that event, and something bad took place, and that actually caused you to doubt the goodness of God. Where you said, God, if, if you were really real and if you were really powerful, that wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have taken place. How can you allow that to take place and still call yourself a good God? You're, you're in this place here in the room today and you, you're, you're doubting. You're dead in your doubts. And I just want you to know that God can handle all of that. He can handle your doubts. But then there's a second group of you here in the room that you're maybe not dead in your doubts, but you're, you're dead in your discouragement, if you will. There's a lady named Mary there, and what we see about her in this interaction of the story, we see that she's very, very discouraged. In fact, look at verse 20. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. So in other words, Mary's like, why bother? Why even try? I mean, it's the question that we've all asked ourselves when we're maintaining that tension of how do I find hope in what seems to be a hopeless world? And at some point, you begin to ask the question, why try? Why even bother? Why show up? Why work so hard? Why study? Why try to get better at, at whatever I'm getting better at? Why commit to that relationship when none of them seem to work out? It's this, what's the point? Why try? It's this point in life where you just become resigned to be discouraged. Well, I guess this is just my life now. I guess this is just my marriage. That's just how it is. It's never going to get any better. And I guess this is just the dead-end job that I'm always going to have. And, I, and it, it's the point where you've given up hope. You've actually said it's never going to get better. This is how it is, and I'm just going to accept it as it is. I'm just going to be dead in my discouragement. Can I be honest with you here in the room today? I've actually had a season even recently in my life where I've faced this. 
where there was a situation that I, I, I just kind of said, I guess, this is just, I guess this is just how it is. I, I guess this is just my life, and I've just got to be resigned to it. I'm just going to kind of accept it, that this is just how it is. I, I've been in this place not just a long time ago. I, I've been in this place recently where I felt dead in my discouragement. See, believe it or not, those of you that are maybe guests here in your room and you're going, man, that guy, I thought he was perfect up there, you know, and I just have to let you know that pastors don't wake up in the morning with angels, you know, singing around them as they wake up. You know, I don't wake up with a little halo glowing and the angels singing, he is risen, you know, when, when ah, you know, when, when I wake up, see, I face discouragement, I face doubt just like you do. Maybe you find yourself in that place here today. Maybe you're not dead in your doubts, but you're dead in your discouragement. You're like Mary where you're going, why even show up? What's the point? It's, it's over anyway, and you're just resigned to whatever you've lost that hope in. Or maybe you're like the last one, and the last lady, her name is, is Martha, and she was dead in the delay. Now, Martha, here's what we know about her. There's a couple situations in the Bible that we see her as the busybody. She was the type A, like, like myself and some of you that raised your hands. She was the person that was always fixing things and strategizing. And while everybody else was hanging out, she was like, man, we got to get to work here. We got to, you know, we've got to fix things. And, and Martha actually has this issue with believing that God took too long. In this situation. Watch, watch what happens, what she says. On, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how many days? Four days. Let me tell you why this matters. Because back during this time in history, they had this mythical belief that once somebody was dead for four days, that they could not ever rise again, that they would never get up again. And, and in fact, and this isn't a biblical belief, it's not a Christian belief, this is kind of just the mythical belief of that time, that what, what happened was when people would die, that their spirit would kind of hover around for like three days. But on that fourth day, I don't know what it was, but on that fourth day that the spirit would say, I guess, there's, I guess the, it's over, and, and the spirit would leave, and that was that. And so it's significant that we read here in the Bible that, he, that Lazarus had been dead for how many days? In other words, you know what? Jesus, you took too long. I think you could have done something, but I'm just, I, I was waiting and I still am waiting, and I don't know that, that you can do anything at this point. You're dead in your delay, if you will. It's, it's those of us that have been praying for specific situations in our life, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like the more I pray, the worse it gets. Hello? Like, God, I've been praying, you know, and, and, and we've been praying for a, a uh, I've been praying for a, a husband. I haven't been, just to clarify. But, but you know, if you're in the room and you're late and you go, I've been praying for that husband. And, and man, I'm always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And, and I've been praying. And, and, and it, it just seems like it's, it's too late now. It's, it's, it's been too long. You know, I'm, I'm reaching that age and everybody else seems to be married around me. And it's just, it's just too long for God to bring me the right one. Or maybe you're here and you go and we... We, we've been wanting to have this baby. We've been praying. We've been saying, God, will you give us a baby? And then there's these people in our small group, you know, a, a group of people that meet in homes that, that, like, they just look at each other, and they get pregnant with triplets, you know? And you want to be happy for them. Have you ever been in that time where you want to be happy for someone, but you're not that happy for them? 
you know, and you're going, oh, wow, it must be nice. You just kind of wink at each other and babies, you know. And we've been praying and praying and praying. And it seems like there's a delay. Or maybe you've been praying for a, a loved one that, that is, has turned their back on God. They've walked away from their relationship with God. And it seems like the harder you pray, the, more, the further they walk away, the less they want to do with God. And you're, it, it, you believe, you believe that God can move. You believe that he can change it. You can believe that he could do something. But you find yourself in that delay period, that deadness in the delay. Maybe you've been praying for a physical healing in your body, and maybe your testimony is like Matt's, that, that he, was, he believed that God could heal him, but he stopped expecting that God would heal him. And you feel maybe dead in the delay. Jesus, you took too long. You, it's, it's too late. And, and I, I love what verse 22 says. It says, okay, God, this is, this is them talking back to Jesus. He'd given them some instructions, and, and they say, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. You know what I've been praying for, for this moment that we have here together? I've been praying that all of us here in the room would have an even now moment. Even now, God, even when I've had my doubts, that you even now would come in and you would take my cold, callous heart that I didn't want anything to do with God and I didn't even maybe believe in God and I had reached this point in my journey where I just was doubting God. Even now, I want to tell you, God can come into your doubts and make himself real to you. Even now, those of you that have been dead in your discouragement, that God could come in, come in and he could bring peace that surpasses understanding. That he could come into your discouraged frame of mind, your discouraged frame of heart, the discouragement in your soul. And even now, he could come in and he could bring encouragement into your life. I've been praying for those of you that have been dead in the delay where you're going, I don't know if it's going to happen. It's maybe too late for me. And, and I've been praying that even now, God could come in and he could bring hope for whatever you've been praying for. I've been praying that all of us in the room would have an even now moment with God. Where even now, whatever we're facing in that hopeless state, even now, God could come in and he could change our lives. And I love what he says, what Jesus says to her in verse 23. It says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, some of you maybe didn't get that, so I'll just repeat it. Your faces aren't showing me that you got it. So let me repeat it for you. Your brother will what? Rise again. Your brother's going to live again. He's going to rise again. I don't know about you, but this doesn't happen every day in my life. Where somebody's telling me, hey, I know that your brother's dead, but he's going to rise again. And then Jesus goes on. As we get ready to close, I want you to watch this. Jesus goes on to make the boldest claim in all of history. The boldest claim that any person that has ever lived on the face of the planet. And this claim that I'm about to give you is actually the reason why becoming a Christian, a Christ follower, is so tremendous. Because as Christians, we don't live under some false pretense of maybe we have hope. This claim that I'm about to tell you that Jesus said is actually the reason we have hope. 
It's the reason why we're here today, that we're in the room. It's what we are celebrating. Here's the claim that no man has ever made, that Jesus made. Watch what he says in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the what? And the what? And the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now, here's what I want you to understand. There's two things that he's talking about here. The first thing that he's talking about is he's saying, hey, you're not only going to live, you're going to live. How many know there's a difference between living and really living? He's saying, if you believe in me, you're going to have life to its fullest. Jesus said in another passage of scripture, he said, you're going to have life and you're going to have it more abundantly. In other words, if you believe in me, you're going to have life at its fullest fullest and he not only is talking about while we're here on this planet he's talking about when we leave this planet and he's saying hey if you believe in me i'm the resurrection and the life if you believe in me you're going to have life at its fullest here and you're going to keep on living in heaven with me when you die you're going to die but you're not going to die because you're going to be with me forever isn't that powerful And here's what I want to help you understand. Here's the power of this text. It helps us understand that the resurrection is not only an event, it's a person. The resurrection is not only an event. The event is powerful. It's the reason why I can actually believe that following Jesus is real because that event happened. And, and that event is actually what causes us to have hope. It's not just because I read the Bible and the Bible tells me so. It's because of this event. In fact, this event has turned heads throughout history. It even turned the head of the brother of Jesus. His name was James. And he wrote a book in the Bible. And, and here's what we know about James. James didn't believe in Jesus when he was was on the planet and he was walking around his brother was healing people he was doing miracles he was doing all kinds of amazing supernatural things and James is like no I'm not buying it I'm still not buying it why well because it's his brother you know like what would it take for you to believe your brother your sister was the son of God you know savior of the world so James is like yeah that's great he healed somebody that's great but I'm not buying it yet and uh and then his brother raises from the dead. And that's the point where James goes, okay, maybe this is a real thing. Why? Well, what would it take for you to believe that your brother or sister was a supernatural son of God? They'd have to raise themselves from the dead, right? So James gives his life to Jesus. Why? Because of the resurrection. And we understand that this event is actually what changed history. But here's what's powerful about Jesus. He doesn't just say, I will I will provide resurrection to Lazarus and myself. He didn't say, I'm just going to have an event called resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. So the resurrection is not only an event, it's a what? It's a person. Jesus is not only part of an event called the resurrection. He actually is the resurrection. Now let's, as the band comes forward, let me just paint this moment for you the end of the story of Lazarus story goes that Jesus looks into the tomb and in verse 41 the tomb that Lazarus had already died he'd been dead for four days and he says these words 
He says, take away the stone. So the Bible says, so they took away the stone. Verse 41. Reminds me of another tomb that happened not too long after this story took place. See, it's a parallel story. Jesus is actually prefacing what's about to happen with his death and his resurrection. The Bible says that he tells him, take away the stone. And then the Bible says that Jesus called out in a loud voice. I'm not really sure why it had to be a loud voice, but maybe it's because dead people don't hear that well, you know. Thank you for that courtesy laugh. He calls out in a loud voice. And he says, Lazarus, come out. You got to imagine that day. I mean, Lazarus hadn't been dead for a few hours. Four days. There was a smell that went along with that. He's wrapped up in grave clothes. And the Bible says that they take the grave clothes off Lazarus and that he lives again. Reminds me of an event that took place not too long after that. The resurrection of Jesus himself. We call it Easter. Look at this, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 6. Mary, Magdalene, and the other Mary, they go to the tomb where Jesus was buried. And there's an angel there to greet them. And the angel looks at them and he says, He is not here. He is risen just as he what? Yeah. And history tells us even beyond the Bible, history tells us that over 500 people saw him after he had raised from the dead. He is the resurrection, and he is the life. And I want you, if you, any of you that are taking notes, here's what I want you to write down this morning, because we've been talking about hope this morning, and, and here's the statement, here's what I want to help you understand. Our hope is in this. Our hope is that what Jesus did plus who Jesus is gives us ongoing hope for all of our life. See, here's the thing. Jesus claimed to be all of these things for us. He actually has a really long list of of who he is in our life and who he wants to be in our life. But those claims that he made that he is going to be there for us and all of the different things... They would be null and void if he had not raised from the dead. If there had been no resurrection, it would be really a lot more difficult to believe that he was who he claimed to be, right? The fact that he raised from the dead means we can have hope that he is everything that he claimed to be. And let me just this morning give you some of the list. It's a, it's a long list, and I only have a few of them here today with me. But let me give you some of the list of who he is in our life. The Bible says he's our life giver. According to John chapter 10, verse 28, it says, I give my followers eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. He's also our forgiver. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. He's our forgiver. The Bible also says in, in that same verse later on that he is our healer. It says, by his wounds you have been healed. 
He's also our burden bearer. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. He is the one that empathizes with us. He hurts with us when we are hurting, when we feel hopeless, when we feel despair. Jesus actually feels it with us. He empathizes with us. In, in Hebrews chapter uh, 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And the last one that I have, the list could be read a really long time, but the last one that I'll give to you is that he is our eternity giver. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, it says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people must be pitied. In other words, if it's not true, if he didn't raise from the dead, then we have no hope. But friends, today, let me tell you, it is from what he did that causes him to be who he is. You can count on Jesus. You can count on who he is in your life. Why? Because he rose from the dead. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. Remember, we talked about how hope is like a ladder. And we lean our ladders up against things that we believe where we've centered our expectations on. Things that we believe are going to bring us hope. And for those of you that call yourself a Christian here in the room, we do the same thing that, that non-Christians do, but, but here, we, here's what we do. We actually lean our ladder most of the time up against the same things, but we add a prayer to ours, okay? Here's what we do. God, I'm leaning my ladder up against here, and I really need you to make sure that, that this all goes well. God, I need you to make sure this ladder doesn't fall. Lord, I'm, I'm counting on you to come through in this job situation. God, I know you will, so, you know, thank you. That This is where I'm leaning my, my ladder, and so I, I need you to come through for me, God. God, I, I'm, I'm praying, God, that that, that situation is going to get better, and you know that I have a lot of hope in this situation. I have a lot of hope in that person, so, you know, my hope is in there. So, God, I need you to make sure that this goes well, and so, God, if you could just make sure that my ladder is secure, that would be awesome. And I've done this where I, I'm not, I'm leaning my hope up against things that I've manufactured or things that I think I'm in control of. And then, oh yeah, I want to add God to that. And so God, here's, here's what I need you to do. Here's my, my ladder. And here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. This is what I want you to remember, the picture that I want you to have in your brain as you leave this room. What God is calling us to do this morning is he's calling us to move our ladder and to say, God, my hope is not in any of those things. My hope, my team is so nervous right now, by the way. My hope is here. I'm not, I'm not giving hope to any of those things. My hope is in Jesus. And here's what happens. None of these things are bad. None of these things are evil. None of these things are sinful. None of these things are, are wrong. What's wrong is when we find hope in these things. Hello? Because here's what happens. Here's the magic of what Jesus does in our life. When our hope is in Jesus, when we have found our hope in him, what we do is, God, I got all this stuff happening over here, and, and Lord, I know that you can move in these things, and you can make them better, but God, if they don't work out, my hope is not crushed. My hope is okay. I, I don't have to be hopeless. 
So God, I've got this relationship, God, and, and, and God, you're going to help me forgive. And that relationship is going to be even better than it was. Because at the end of the day, God, my hope is not in that relationship. My hope is in Jesus. Let's say it together. Say Jesus. Yeah, my hope is in Jesus. So God, I've got this job situation and, and, and Lord, this boss is about to drive me crazy, God. And, and, uh, and, and Lord, I just need your permission, if, if at all possible, to lay hands on my boss and, and never mind. Anyway, and, and, and so you're going, God, I've got this job situation and, 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 and here's the deal. I'm not, I've got my hope centered in the right thing. So I'm gonna work according to my relationship with God, which means it doesn't matter where I work, I work hard. Because I'm not working for the job, I'm working for Jesus. I'm not working for a, a boss. I'm not even working just for a paycheck. I'm working because of my relationship with Jesus. So I work hard because of my relationship with Jesus. I work hard on my relationships, but my hope is in Jesus. I, 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 I try to get better in my abilities, and I do that, but my hope is in you're getting it. Some of you are getting it. We'll keep going because there's a couple you've got to join, join in here. So, but my, my, I want this career. I'm going to study hard. I'm going to go to medical school. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can. But my hope is not in the career. My hope is in. Yeah, some of you all want me to be done. So you just hopped in. You're like, I don't know if I agree, but I'm kind of ready for a closing. This morning, my prayer is that you'll move your ladder. And understand that because he rose from the dead and because of who he is on this Easter Sunday morning, we can lean our ladder of hope up against him. And here's what I want to tell you today to tell you. He will never, ever disappoint. You can find hope that, that, that you will never be hopeless if you will lean your ladder up against him. So how do we maintain hope? In a hopeless world, we change where our ladder is leaning. And we lean our ladder up against the hope of Christ because he rose from the dead. And that means that he is everything that he said he was. And he is for that in my life. If you could close your eyes and bow your heads all across this room. The Bible says that he is the resurrection and the life. And he said, if, if you would believe in me, that you would have life and life eternal. That word believe doesn't just mean that you kind of ascribe to be a religious person. That means that deep in your heart, you have placed your entire belief system, you have centered it on the fact that Jesus died and rose from the dead because he had to do that for our sins. See, the Bible says this with your heads bowed and eyes closed. It says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means that every one of us in this room has messed up. And that messed up not only our lives, it messed up our relationship with God. It goes on to say in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. The Bible talks about not only a physical death, but a spiritual death. It says that we will all go to a place called heaven with Jesus forever and ever or we will go to a place that Jesus desires no one to go to a place called hell and the only way that we would ever go there is if we had not believed in what he has done the Bible goes on to say in Romans 5 8 that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us and it goes on to say if we will believe 
in our heart and confess with our mouth that he rose from the dead, that we can be saved, that we can have a relationship with him. So here's the question this morning. Are you in this room and you'd say, you know what, Pastor Wayne, here's the truth. My hope has not just been centered in Jesus. You know what, he's not the center of my life. He's not my my best friend, my leader, my Lord, my boss, the dude in my life. He is not the center, the epicenter of every decision that I make. And I'm not walking with him. Listen, this morning, I'm not asking if you're a religious person. It's not about trying to put a label on yourself. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm Lutheran, I'm Catholic, I'm Presbyterian, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Baptist. No, I'm not asking for the label. I'm asking this question. If you were to die today based on your relationship with Jesus, would you spend eternity, life and eternity with him? More importantly, are you walking with him on a day-to-day basis while you're here on this planet? While you're living on this planet. If the answer is I don't know or I'm not sure or no. I want you in just a second to let me pray for you before we leave this room. There's not a a greater moment that that can be had in this entire morning that we've had together than this moment right here. If you're here and you'd say I have never put my full faith and hope. Not in a religious institution. Not in some type of a label. Some type of a pretense or false hope. But I have never put my hope in Jesus. Birth, life, death and resurrection to the point where I am walking and talking with him and I've been converted to following him. If you're here today and you've never done that or you're here today and you'd say you know what I think I did that a long time ago but if I'm honest I have not been walking that out in my life. He is not the center of my life. He's not the leader, the Lord, the Savior, the boss of my life. And I'm kind of living in such a way where I feel like I've got control of my own destiny. And, and my, I'm trying to manufacture this, this pretense of false hope in my life. And this morning, I want to re-up. I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to say yes to his hope that he has for me. All of us are in need of this. And when I, if all across this room, when I hit three, if that's you and you'd say, I want to do that for the very first time, I want to surrender my life and give my life over to the hope that Jesus gives, or you're here and you'd say, I want to recommit my life to Jesus. I want to make him the center, the leader, the Lord, the boss, the savior, and the hope of my life. If that's you on the count of three, I want you just to lift up your hands. Hands are already going up right now all across this room. One, two. That's me, Pastor Wayne. Please include me in this final prayer before we leave. I want to I commit or I want to recommit and, and make Jesus the center of my hope. If that's you in this room, on the count of three, lift up your hands. One, two. Here's your moment right now. Three, lift up your hands right now. Come on all over this room. That's me, Pastor Wayne. Thank you. 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 Yeah. Who else in this room? That's me. That's me, Pastor Wayne. Anybody? Yep. I see your hand right here. Thank you. Anybody else? That's me, Pastor Wayne. I, I, I want to give my life or I want to recommit my life over to him. I want to make him my hope. I want to make him the center of my life. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'll wait just a few more seconds. I'll wait just a few more seconds. Anybody else? That's me. That's me. That's me. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet across this room. And we're going to pray with, I don't know exactly how many raised their hands. I think about 10 or so. We're going to pray all prayer all together in this room as, a, as the family of God, putting our hope in him. Let's say this with me. Let's say, let's say Jesus, thank you. Thank for you. dying for me for dying for me and for raising from the dead and for raising because from the dead. of that because of that i have hope 
I have hope. Because of what you did. Because of what you did. I know that who you are. I know that who is you are real. Is real. And I ask you. And I ask to you be real. To be real. In my life. In my life. Jesus. Jesus. I give you everything. I give you everything. My sin. My sin. My past. My past. My failures. My failures. My fears. My fears. My future. My future. My dream. My dream. My hope. My hope is in you. Is in you. Help me. Help to learn, to learn what it means, what it means to follow you, to follow and to you, walk with you walk. every day, until I see you face to face on that day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. How many of you are thankful for the hope that Jesus gives? Yeah. Here's what we're gonna do. One last and final thing before we leave, and we go pet the animals and and go about our day. Here's what we're going to do. This morning, what we prayed for was not only that people would say yes to Jesus, we also prayed that you would have hope for whatever situation you were facing in your life. Whether it be a, a physical healing that you need, whether it be a relational thing, a financial thing, a job situation, whether you're here and you're praying for hope for somebody else that you're close to. So here's what we're going to do. In just a few moments, the band is going to begin to sing that song, that hope song that we were singing. And as we sing that song, I'm going to ask that, that you just line up. We're going to form two, two lines, and right, one right here and, and one right here. And what we're going to do is as they sing, I'm going to ask you to come, and I want you to write on, this is what we call our hope wall this morning. And I want you to just take a piece of chalk up here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write first on this board. And I'm going to ask you just to write. It's like a prayer that you're saying to the Lord. Just by writing that, this is your prayer. God, give me hope for, and you just fill in the blank with whatever it is that you need hope for. And then you can go back to your seat after you've written your, your little statement, and then we'll, we'll pray a closing prayer together. So as they begin to sing, you come. And you write whatever when you need hope. Trouble sees me rise. When darkness fills the skies, I will keep my grip on hope as I sail the unknown. Clouds fill the atmosphere, waves swell with doubt and fear. But in the middle of the storm, you show me I'm not alone. My hope is found in Jesus, the anchor of my soul, standing on firm foundation, a lighthouse shining hope. Yet in my darkest hour, your light will guide me home, a beacon for my rescue, Jesus the hope for all. Calm the raging seas, you bring the storms to cease, but even in the aftermath, I know this trouble too shall pass. Clouds fill the atmosphere, waves swell with doubt and fear, but even in the love the storm, you show me I'm not alone. My hope is found in Jesus, the anchor of my soul, standing on firm foundation, a lighthouse shining hope, 
Yet in the darkest hour, your light will guide me home. A beacon for my rescue, Jesus, the hope for all. My hope is found in Jesus, the anchor of my soul. Standing on firm foundation, a lighthouse shining hope. Yet in the darkest hour, your light will guide me home. A beacon for my rescue, Jesus, the hope of all. Your hope is rising. Your hope is rising. Darkness is trembling. Come on, let's take it together. We will declare that you are the light of the world. Our hands are lifted, our voice is shouting. We will declare that you are the light of the world. Your hope is rising, darkness is trembling. We'll declare that you are the light of the world. Our hands are lifted, our voices shouting. We will declare that you are the light of the world. Your hope is rising, darkness is trembling. We will declare that you are the is shouting we will declare that you are the light of the world oh, my, my hope is found in Jesus the anchor of my soul standing on firm foundation a lighthouse shining hope darkest hour, your light will guide me home, a beacon for my rescue, Jesus the hope my of hope, my hope is found in Jesus, the anchor of my soul, standing on my foundation, the light in my darkest hour, your For my rescue, Jesus, the hope of all. Oh, so, Jesus, we come before you here on this this Sunday that we are celebrating your resurrection, this Easter Sunday. And Lord, a room full of people is looking 